Good morning, church. Hey, man, I hate to break up all the good conversations that's happening in this room, but I'm going to ask you to do that. Find your seat. Man, it's so good to see everybody. I know this summer is kind of one of those times where people are in and out and traveling. We've had the same thing with our family, so it's just good to be together today and to be seeking after the things of God uh, together. So I'm, I'm just kind of scanning the room. I want to get a good look at you. Just kind of see how you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Mark, thanks for the smile. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, it's good to, good to see everyone. If you're a guest with us, I want to say welcome. And we're just glad you're here. And more than anything, we hope that uh, you meet Jesus today and that you see him, you know him, that he loves you, and we love you too. Uh, this summer uh, has been a time of transition for me and my family, as Joe just said. So my name is Jeremy West. I've been serving here as the missions pastor uh, for the last uh, couple years um, and some other roles too along that way. Um, but God is calling us and doing something in our family. And so we're in a time of transition. Uh, about three years ago, Pastor Zach initiated with me, my wife, and said, what do you think about planting a church in Garland? And I said, what? <laughs> I never really aspired to be a church planner, a lead pastor. But that seed kind of just stirred in us to watch and pray and just to see what God wanted to do in the Garland Rowlett area. Um, at, you know, at the time, we had, uh, Antioch Dallas had one life group in the area. And we had just moved there. Uh, that was three years ago. And now God is on the move, man. There's things happening and it's exciting. And so it's time to plant a church in Lake Cities. Um, and so we're going for it. We're, there's uh, almost five life groups now multiplying. God's opening doors for ministry. Uh, man, it's a good time. We have a men's prayer time that's happening every Friday morning, interceding for our city. Uh, and just, man, I'm so excited. Did you know there's 200,000 plus people in that area that don't have a vibrant relationship with Jesus? That's a lot of people. And we are praying that God will do a great work. And so this last year, we really felt God's clear call that now is the time, uh, both to my wife and I, just had a clear sense from the Lord, this is the time to, to go for it. And the overseers of our church will affirm that, and everyone is on board. And so we're excited. So we're moving forward in trust and obedience to Jesus to uh, see his church planted in that area. And I want to just give you a quick update um, just about where we are. So we're still in preparation phase this summer. Uh, that means uh, I'm raising, we're raising support. We're working on uh, some different logistics uh, and so forth to just get ready. I'm starting to meet with some people. Uh, as we get towards the fall, uh, we will have our core team begin training. Our life groups will start meeting as Lake City's life groups. Uh, and then, Lord willing, later in the fall, we will have a public launch and God will be glorified. So that's where we're headed. Um, if, you want, if you want to know more, if you're interested in any way uh, in, in partnering with us in prayer, uh, financial support, being a part of the core team, you live in that area and I haven't met you yet, we want to talk. And what you can do is you can text Lake Cities to 97,000. Uh, there's a form there you can fill out and, and we'll get back uh, in touch with you if you haven't done that already. If you've already filled out that form, don't fill it out again. If I've met with you in person about it, you don't need to fill out the form. But if you haven't, you want to know, know more, um, you can go there. All right. 
hard right turn <laughs> into the message. Uh, grab your Bible or your Bible app um, or Find one that's next to you if your neighbor has one. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in the chair in front of you that you can have. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, you can keep that Bible. You can write your name on it right now and you can keep it. Or you can go to our lost and found and you'd probably find a really nice Bible over there and it might have a cover on it or you know, a matching coffee cup or something. You can pick up some sunglasses at... The lost and found. You're welcome to do that. I just, we just gave you permission to do that. Grab your Bible. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. And if you're on one of those Bibles in that chair back, that is page 946 in that chair back Bible. All right. We all have something in common that I wanted to share that I, I've just been thinking about. No matter if you're a Christian or not this morning, no matter your age, your race, where you grew up, where you're from, we all tried to figure out our parents. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when you needed a special treat, when you wanted dessert, when you wanted to have a soda to drink, if you were like me, there was a parent that I asked. And there was a parent that I did not ask. And that parent, of course, was my dad. I'm going to ask him, Dad, can I have soda? Hey, Dad, can I have ice cream? How about those chocolate chip cookies? I did not ask my mom. I knew what that answer was going to be. And I knew there was a good chance of my answer you know, to my dad. If I wanted to stay up past my bedtime to watch the Dallas Cowboys play on Monday Night Football, I had it figured out. I talked to my dad about that. Because he was going to be watching the game. Hey, you know, Dad, what was good father-son time? We could just wait and watch the game, right? You figured him out. If you got in trouble at school or on baseball practice or something like that, for me, when I came home, came home I had figured out. I didn't tell my dad. I told my mom, right? And I wanted mom to deal with it right there. And I pleaded to the dear Lord Jesus that she would not utter those words you know what, what they are. We'll wait till your dad gets home to deal with that. I'm like, no, no, no. I want you to deal with it now. Because around the age of six or seven, I learned that her spankings didn't come with as much force as my dad's. And so that's you know, the, the way I do it. But the other way around was when I got injured, right? When I scraped my knee, when I fell on my bike you know, and got hurt, who did I run to? Mom, of course. Because mom had the magic touch right? to comfort, to nurture me in a way that dad just wasn't going to do, right? He's just like, eh, you're fine. It's good. You know, whatever. We figure out our parents. And the, and the crazy thing is, you know, I thought I had them all figured out. And now I have four connivers that live in my house that are trying to figure me out too. And they're doing it, but you know what? I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I love it. I love them. Uh, we want to figure it out together. And in a similar way, friends, God actually wants you to figure him out. Did you know that? As your heavenly father, he wants you to figure him out, to seek him out, to understand his ways, his heart, his principles, the way things work in his house. He desires that for you. He is here for it. He wants you to know his ways. He wants you to know his promises, the principles of life that he has created for us to live by and to walk in. There's something I've been on the, on the journey 
uh, with God about in the, in the last many years of my life is learning that God's ways have been embedded in the fabric of creation. In the fabric of creation, of our lives, of the things that we see, the spiritual realm, the physical realm, spiritual principles, spiritual laws. And I don't mean laws in the sense of like a command. I mean laws like, you know, law of gravity, like things that just are, that this is the way that it works. And these are true and they will be proved true time and time again. And they will affect your life, whether you believe in them or not, whether you know them or not. It's just the way that it is. Now, we, we're all familiar with this at a base level because we understand gravity. Okay, gravity is a physical law, the physical law of gravity. Now, I could get Mr. Joe Florence to come up here. He was a physics teacher for many, many years. He could explain this in detail. I don't have that level of detail. I just know this. If I jump off this stage, I'm going down right? That, that, that's all that I need to know. I learned that at a very, very early age, that, that law. Now, I can say I don't believe in gravity, you know? Hey, y'all, I don't believe in, in gravity. I'm, you know, I'm done with it. It's overrated. I think gravity's dumb. I think uh, I, I wasn't taught enough about gravity, so I should be an exception. It shouldn't apply to me, but the truth is, is gravity is there. Right? And if I go and I decide to jump off a 30-foot building, I'm going to injure myself. No matter how much I know about gravity, no matter whether I think it's cool or not, it just is. You know what I'm saying? It's just how it works. In the same way, in, in God's created order, he has principles and promises and things that he has set in motion. Now, you can break a commandment of God. You know, don't lie. You can go and lie. You can break a commandment. You can't break a spiritual principle. It just happens. It just is, and it will affect your life. They will have a positive or negative effect on your relationship, on your finances, on your physical health and well-being, on your emotional health, on your spiritual health, whether you believe in them or not. That's just how it works. And here's the good news, is that God wants to be known. And God wants you to know these things. He wants us to know, and he longs for us to know him in his ways, in his principles, in his acts, and how he has created life to be lived. Jesus himself, who is God in the flesh, came to make it known to us, to make himself known to us, to invite us in to this reality. He's communicated with us through his son, Jesus Christ, through the written scriptures, through the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Bible is full of revelation, of truth, of life, of commandments, of promises, of spiritual principles that explain the way life works. And maybe you've not read the Bible much. Maybe you have. I'm just going to say, I believe in God's word because I've seen it to be true, because it makes sense of my life. The good, the difficult, the hardships, the, the struggles, the victories, all of it, it makes sense 
of my life. And my hope for you is that you would daily search the scriptures. That, that is all of our hope for you is that you would daily search the scriptures and, and seek God and come into relationship with him to know his heart and his ways. I hope that you do that because there is so much here that God has for us. This morning, we have time for one, <laughs> one thing. And I want to point to one of these spiritual principles this morning and kind of lead us in discovering together. We're going to be in Galatians chapter six, starting in verse seven, and we'll read it. We're going to read it all the way through verse 10 and then back through it to break it down together. All right, here we go. You ready? Uh, Okay. Verse seven, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. All right, did you see it? All right, this might be one of the most widely known uh, principles, spiritual principles, promises in the Bible. We reap what we sow. Turn to your neighbor and say, you will reap what you sow. So whatever we put, what, what does this mean? Whatever we put into something is what we can expect to get out of it. In measure, we reap what we sow. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning with a friend, you found us online, you're probably thinking, duh, <laughs> I knew that. That's not like profound. Of course we reap what we sow. I mean, every, everyone knows that. We even have an, another phrase for it in our culture. What goes around comes around, right? Duh, that's just part of life. Question for you. Why is that just a part of life? Why is that just part of the way that life works? I got an answer. It's because God put it there. If we're all just a part of a cosmic accident, why is that principle so detailed and clear and consistent for thousands of years in people's lives? It's because God created life to work this way. He created life with detailed intentionality. He made the principle, this principle of life, and he's explaining it to us clearly in scripture. Why? So that we can have life and life to the full. Now, if you read your Bible, which I hope you do, you'll see this principle is explained in a lot of different ways. Jesus talked about it. The Old Testament prophets talked about it. And here in Galatians, it's the apostle Paul, one of the leaders of the early church. He's talking about it. And he's applying this principle to three areas of life that I want us to dive into this morning. So we're going to briefly unpack. The first is we reap what we sow financially. And the room just got very tense. I can feel it. Oh, where is this about to go? Special. We already did the offering. We are not. There's no special offering right now. There's no arm twisting. The church is doing fine. We're not in, you know, in a crisis. We're not, I'm not asking, you know, money. 
All sorts of thoughts come up, right? Oh, man, what, what about this? What about that? What about that? Experiences, some good experiences. Some people get up here and share testimony after testimony. Man, God showed up in this way, you know, financially, all this stuff. Some of you have had shady experiences, right? You're like, I don't want to talk about that. Some really bad experiences. Let's just all calm down, right? Just calm down. I feel like sometimes like the scene in the movie where it's like everyone pulls out a gun. They're all like against each other. It's like, wait, it's, just, <laughs> it's going to be okay. All right? See, here's the deal. Let me be clear in this, that God wants something for you, not from you. I need to say that again for the people in the back. God wants something for you, not from you. This is why there is a sowing and reaping principle financially. In verse seven, it talks about, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. See, God has staked his character on his promises and on these principles. He won't be mocked. He won't be mocked. He won't be outdone. He won't be shown up. In fact, going against one of the principles that God has set in motion and through his word and his world um, it's, it's like forcing his hand and daring him to break it. And what the scripture calls that is putting God to the test. Putting God to the test. There's something that God has clearly said. This is the way life works. And putting God to the test would be going against it and saying, well, I'm the exception. <laughs> I'm going to do this and see, see if you still show up for me in that way. And God's like, no, this is the way the principle works. But there's one place in scripture where God says, put me to the test. I dare you. I double dog, triple dog, dare you put me to the test. And it is in this area of sowing and reaping in our finances. He's almighty God. He's not going to be mocked ever, but there is this one area and he's determined that you cannot outgive him. Malachi 3, verse 10. I'm going to read it. And you're not going to believe it the first time you read it. Maybe the second time you'll go, is that saying what I think it's saying? And by maybe the third time, it'll be like, okay, I'm in. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Put the principle to the test. I dare you. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. And we don't preach this like health, wealth, like, you know, give God your money and then you never have any problems. That's not the gospel. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about here's relationship with God. Okay, he wants something for you. And if we will step out and trust him, that he will show himself and prove himself faithful again and again. You know, tithe, actually, the literal translation of it means the 10th part or 10%. And God set this principle in motion literally before the law was ever even given. <laughs> it's not about like the Old Testament law. and No, it was like before that ever even existed. Like the Sabbath existed before the commandments, right? It was a principle that God birthed into creation. 
before we were ever on the scene, okay, that people would, could honor him and trust him with the tithe, with the 10% and offerings above that. And this is what he said, I will cause the remaining 90% to be more and to go further than the 100 without giving it. That doesn't, the math doesn't add up. Have you ever heard the scripture that says his ways are not our ways? His thoughts are not our thoughts. Of course, it doesn't add up. It's God's principle. It's a spiritual principle. You know, my wife and I, we've experienced this literally thousands of ways in our life. Sometimes in dramatic supernatural ways, like someone saying, hey, we want to give you a car. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you kidding? In other ways, just simple, practical ways by seeking to sow in this way and trust God. We even named our firstborn son Jira, which means the Lord will provide as a reminder to ourselves that God is who he says he is. He won't be mocked. He's on the throne. He's God Almighty, and we can trust him with everything in our life. He's faithful in this and he always will be. And so I challenge you in this. Step out. Step in faith toward God in his ways. He has something for you. Test him and watch him prove himself faithful. The second area that Paul applies the sowing and reaping principle is spiritually. Spiritually. Look at verse 8. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. What is he talking about? How do we, how do we sow to the flesh or how do I sow to the spirit? The question I always had is what exactly do I sow? This is not talking about finances. Now it's like, I give you like money to my spirit. What the heck? Like, what am I sowing how do I exactly do that? And I need everyone to put on their thinking cap just for like a few minutes, okay? So if that helps you do that, uh, and, and Johnny and, and Joe, can I get y'all to be, be volunteers? Voluntold, actually, you know, <laughs> classic volunteer. Okay, y'all come up here, one to my right, one to my left, and I'm gonna try the best I can in the shortest way I can to explain a principle to you. And I hope that a lot of things will begin to make sense for you as you read the Bible. See, every human on this planet is made of three distinct and integrated parts. A spirit, a soul, and a body. A spirit, soul, and body. So today, Johnny, you get to be spirit. Okay? Your spirit, your body. I'm soul. Okay? Y'all scoot in a little bit closer here. This is how... This is how we're made, right? Before sin entered the world, all was well. We're in perfect unison. Everything's working together. We're in relationship with God. It's sweet. It's intimate. It's beautiful. Sin enters the world, and something happens. Spirit dies. We experience spiritual death, okay? Now, our spirit is where we commune with God. 
Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. It's where we process life. Mind, your thoughts, thoughts that come to your head. That's your soul. Your soul thinks. Your, your will, your decisions. When you chose to eat ice cream last night, that was just your soul going, I want ice cream, you know? Your emotions, when you feel anger, shame, joy, that's the soul. And then our flesh now, which is our, our physical body, but there is now a sinful nature in our flesh, our appetites, our cravings. We want to see things. We want to feel things. We want to hear certain things. We say certain things. It's our flesh. And when sin entered the world, we died spiritually. Okay? Our body is still alive, but there is imminent death or death coming soon. And so now our soul is damaged. Our emotions damaged. Our thoughts corrupted and futile. Our decision-making power is weakened and broken. We can't do the things that we desire to do. That's what Paul says. I want that, but nah. that is life. And when you're separated from Christ, you have no resource to encounter God, to commune with God in the spirit. Okay. So we live by the flesh. Read that throughout the scripture. It said a thousand different ways. At one time, you were separated from Christ. You followed the course of the world, the passions of the flesh. Just flesh, 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 flesh. Try to do a little bit of good, but mostly it's just flesh. And every good thing that I do is actually motivated by my own selfish desire, right? It's just flesh. And we can't do what we ought to do. But in Christ, something new happens. We are born again. Let's come back over here. We are born again. We are given a new spirit. And that spirit becomes one with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Good news. So now we can live by the spirit because it's no longer dead, but it's alive. And his spirit is inside of us. And our spirit is one. It's good. Challenge, though, and this is what this verse speaks to, is we still have a flesh. And we still have a soul. But now we got spirit. So... You sow. And what are you sowing? You sow your soul. You sow your soul. And every day we have a choice. If you're in Christ, you have the choice. If you're not in Christ, you don't really have the choice. You don't have the spirit. But in Christ, we have the choice to sow my mind, my will, my emotions into the things of the spirit or into things of the flesh, okay? Into things of the spirit, into things of the flesh. Romans 8, Paul says it this way, to set the mind, which is part of the soul, the things of the spirit is life and peace. To set the mind on things of the flesh is death. Thank you, volunteers. You're gonna have a seat. So we are sowing what Paul is saying here is sow your mind, will, and emotions into things of the spirit, into the spirit, into things of the spirit. And there will be life for your soul. Okay. There's life there. If we sow our life, our, our mind, will, and emotions into things of the flesh, we reap corruption and we don't live to the fullness of what God 
intended for us to live, okay? So practically, how, how, do, how do I do that, okay? How, how do we sow? And I got a couple of verses for you that, that I think explain this. First Peter 2.11, it says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh. Why? They're good. I like them. It's fun. <laughs> Why? Because they wage war against your soul. The passions of the flesh are seeking to crush your soul. The passions of the flesh want you depressed, confused, broken, weak, all of those things. That's not what God has for you. So, so what do we do here? There's a call to deny yourself, to deny yourself. Now that can get applied a thousand different ways. To deny myself, to abstain from passions of the flesh, the sinful nature, because it's waging war in my soul. Another practical way we do this is worship, worshiping the Lord. Listen to this, Psalm 103, verse two, very popular Psalm, but maybe you never thought, oh, that's what's happening. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Soul, make a decision right now to bless the Lord, to worship God in spirit and truth to seek him, to honor him, to not forget his benefits, to meditate upon him, to worship him. And life begins to flow as we worship. That's why we do this every Sunday. It's not just like, uh, oh, what do we do? Try to warm up for the message. What are we doing? We are saying, soul, seek God, seek the spirit, fix your mind on him, on things above, because there's life there, Okay. Meditating on scripture, Psalm 19, verse seven says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. As we meditate on God's word, as we seek him in his word, that there's spirit and there's life there for reviving our soul. And another way that we sow our soul to the spirit is mentioned in these last few verses, and it's the last kind of exhortation in our sowing, is by doing good in our relationships. Doing good in our relationships. Now, this one might be the most challenging of all, because it all kind of gets integrated now, right? It's like sowing to the spirit is also sowing good in my relationships, we know uh, when we sow what is good and do what is good and right and honorable in our relationships, we reap. We reap in two ways. We reap spiritually. There's life and peace for our soul, as we just talked about. But the second way is we reap what is God's best for us in our relationships. In our relationships. That's God. I don't know what you thought about God. He wants your life to be relationally rich. He wants your life to be relationally loaded, filthy, good, rich. That is his desire for you. But there is a way, there is a principle, there is a promise that we have to lean into to be recharged in this. And this scripture makes a couple of things clear 
though, okay, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Couple of things. One is that sowing good relationally is hard and that we are tempted to give in. 100%, let's be honest. The second thing is that timing matters. Timing matters when it comes to sowing good in our relationship. And it matters both in the sowing and in the reaping. Hang with me. This is going to change your life. It's changed mine. See, in sowing, the scripture says, when are we to sow? As we have opportunity. As we have opportunity. The timing matters. We're challenged to sow as we have opportunity. Now, my experience has been these short 36 years of my life, that the opportunities always don't sync up with convenience, right? With what is convenient. When it's time to sow into my family, there's always something else kind of happening. There's, I'm tired. I've had a long day. I don't want to talk right now. I don't feel like it. I have this goal, this agenda, this other thing that I want to do that kind of mixes in. And the scripture is saying, as you have opportunity, lean into it, right? Lean into it as I have opportunity. And often those come at inconvenient times when I have an agenda, when I'm tired, when I'm not feeling it. I have a note written in the margin of my Bible right here. I don't know where it came from. I don't, it's so good that I don't think I came up with it. I think I heard someone else preaching about this and I wrote it down. It says this, and I read from the margin of my Bible, Don't let your goals get in the way of your opportunities. Don't let your goals get in the way of your opportunities. We are to do good as we have opportunity. And sometimes my goal is to get through the grocery store as fast as possible. And along that pathway of getting through the grocery store as fast as humanly possible, the spirit speaks and shows me an opportunity. And I'm like, dang it, right? Will I sow and do good as I have opportunity to everyone, right? Then also to the family of believers, but to everyone. That's just, I'm just being real. Maybe it's only me, okay? That, That the opportunities come at, interesting times. The other thing here in timing is that the reaping is not in our control. The reaping is not in our control. What does the scripture say? When do we reap? At the, are y'all looking at your Bible? At the proper time. Who determines the proper time? That's God. God determines the proper time. And you know what? I used to be so frustrated about that. I want to sow and I want to reap. I want to be like the Chick-fil-A drive-through, you know? Like, let's, let's move through this really quickly. And I'm so glad that God is in control and not me. I've learned to be thankful that he's in control of the reaping times. Why? Because his timing is perfect. And often that process of patience is allowing my character to develop so that when I reap, the reaping doesn't destroy me. I don't get things prematurely. 
I've kind of felt this in the church plant thing, you know? I mean, like, when I was, like, 26, I was like, yeah, let's do it. I'll do this. I, I will run this city. Like, what an arrogant thought. And God said, okay, we'll see about that. Let's just take you through, you know, trial, error, failure, weakness, brokenness, repentance, confession, embarrassment. I mean, so that character can be formed. So now I can say when I meet with people, we're not planting a church. God's planting a church. Isaiah 61.3. They shall be called the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know, this was the experience of King David in the Old Testament. I want to just recap a story for you. It's illustrated in 1 Samuel 24. Y'all know David was anointed king, but there was a process. And that process included the guy who was king, Saul, chasing him around the desert, throwing spears at him, trying to kill him. And David was in this season. Lord, you know, a lot of the Psalms are written in that place of just, God, how long I'm trusting you. And in, in 1 Samuel 24, there was a, a situation where David was with his mighty men, his army, you know, his SEAL Team 6, okay? And they are hiding in a cave from Saul. Saul is chasing them with thousands upon thousands, his big army, and they run, they hide in the cave. They go into the deepest part of the cave, and they're just hoping, all right, Saul and his army, they go by, then we can wait, then we can come out, go the other direction. But something causes a, a timing thing here. Saul, as they're running, chasing David, he doesn't know who's in the cave. He's got to go. <laughs> he's got to go. It says he's got to go number two. <laughs> Not number one, number two. This is in the Bible, okay? This is real. Like, it's, it's true. He's got to go number two. And so he goes into the cave while like, the cavalcade is out there just chilling. And he goes into the cave and goes deeper and deeper, deeper into the cave you know, David and his guys, their eyes are adjusted to the light, so they see. Saul, his eyes are not, you know, he's in the bright sun, now he's in, he's black. I'm just gonna, you know, lift him. And he just gets in the most vulnerable position that you can be in as a human, right? He is going to the bathroom. The scripture says he's relieving himself. In SEAL Team 6, David's mighty men, they say, David, this is the moment, this is the timing God has delivered Saul into your hands. Let us go and strike him down that you may be king. Everything seems to line up. This is, this is it. God caused him to have to go to the bathroom right at this time. He's here. We're all here. We can take him out. It's over. The running is over. It will be great. And David says, no. He had an opportunity there. He had an opportunity, and this is what God did. God gave David an opportunity. And many times, we have these same opportunities. You get wronged, and you think, I'm not seeing that as a sowing and reaping opportunity. It absolutely is. In that moment, he can do harm, he can do good. And David says, I will not put my hand against the Lord's anointed, but I will do him good, and I will honor him. And so David chose honor in that moment. Guess what? His problems didn't go away. He sowed honor 
And he kept getting being chased. Chased and chased and chased for many, many more years. But you know what? <clears throat> he reaped. In the proper time, God honored and blessed King David. He says, you will never have a son that's not sitting on the throne because of what you have done. God honored and blessed David because of his choice to honor Saul in that situation as he had opportunity. So what relationship is God inviting you to so honor into? Worship team, y'all come up. What, what relationship is God inviting you to so honor into? To do good as opportunities come, as challenging, difficult opportunities arise? You don't have to think long about that one. <laughs> we, know, we know the one or the two, that situation. My question is, would you step out in faith to trust God, to trust his promise of sowing and reaping, that you will be recharged? Friends, what, what would it be like or feel like if decades from now, you can look back on your life, decades from now, experiencing joy, peace, life, having walked through fire, having walked through difficulty, to experience joy and peace and just overflowing in that way in your soul. Because you can look back and you go, I, I, I don't have many regrets because I chose to sow to the Spirit in every area of my life. Would your grandchildren appreciate the choices you made to sow to the Spirit and not the flesh in your marriage? With your kids, with your neighbors, to sow honor and love and to do good? God won't be mocked. Man reaps what he sows. This principle, this promise can work in favor of you, of us, for your good, or it works against you. It's just the way that it is, the way that God has made it and result in destruction and corruption. So how will you so, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to the Lord. And I want to just invite our, our prayer and prophetic team, our pastors, overseers to come forward. Um, they're eager and willing to pray for you, pray with you about anything. But specifically this morning, I know that God wants to give strength in these specific areas. Some of us, we're in that battle. We feel the flesh waging war against our soul. And, and I want you to know that that's part of life. You don't need to feel guilty for feeling like you're in the battle. You don't need to feel guilty for feeling like, man, I feel the war raging in areas of lust, temptation, financial greed, of relationships, of, of revenge and unforgiveness. That's life at work. But you and I, we have a choice our will in our soul to say, God, I'm gonna choose 
you. I'm gonna choose the things of the spirit. I'm gonna choose to trust you. And today God wants to give you strength. So I encourage you to just come. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm gonna pray and the worship team's gonna lead us and let's just worship and bless the Lord this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you and we can say with the psalmist from Psalm 119 where verse after verse after verse after verse after verse after verse, he says, your statutes are beautiful. Your ways are right. Your principles stand forever and they are good and you have set them in motion for our good. Your promises, your testimonies, your statutes, your word is good in every way. And Lord, we want it. And we do confess that we are in the war. But we wanna choose you and we wanna say yes to you and say yes to what is good. So help us, Holy Spirit. Come and meet with us in these closing moments. In Jesus' name.